Well, welcome back. Now, as Myanmar grapples with escalating violence and a tenuous political landscape, two years, uh, three years after the military seized power, we have special guest today, Debbie Stoddard, founder and coordinator of All Sian Burma. And the recent silent strike organized by the opposition's General Strike Coordination Body showcased the deep-rooted resistance to military rule. And we delve into the complexities with Debbie, a key figure supporting human rights and democracy in Myanmar. Debbie, welcome to the show. Hi, Lisa. Hi there, Debbie. How are you? Um, it's been a really big uh, week because there have been quite a few activities around the third anniversary of mm-hmm. the attempted coup. We don't call it a coup because it isn't over yet. Yes, yes. So let's talk about that and its unprecedented violence and civil resistance in Myanmar. Can you provide some insight into the current situation, particularly considering this silent strike and the persistent resistance against military rule? Well, uh, what we are seeing is both um, a, a peaceful resistance and also armed resistance to a very brutal illegal junta. Um, To be honest, I've been a supporter of human rights and democracy in Burma for 36 years now. Mm -hmm. And we have not seen the the violence that we've witnessed since the coup began in February 2021 has been uh, beyond our imagination and our worst fears. Um, So what we are seeing now, yeah, so what we, I mean, there have been, basically the military junta has launched a thousand and fifty airstrikes, mainly targeting civilians. And in one of the worst airstrikes on record in April 2023, they actually used thermobaric bombs on civilians. And these are, you know, they're actually using banned weapons mm-hmm. on civilians and and, and 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 indiscriminately killing civilians simply because they can't get back at the um, at the armed resistance. So. Right now, what we're seeing, there's been um, unprecedented military victories uh, uh, by the resistance. During uh, October to December, we saw the resistance destroy 400 junta bases. In one in one incident, um, several hundred soldiers had to uh, had to surrender, and six generals from the junta had to surrender to the resistance force in order to be allowed safe conduct out of the area. So this is quite amazing because in the history Mm. of um, the military in Burma, they may retreat, but they never surrender. Um, At the same time, people on the ground have also been finding many ways of resisting because the the junta has been weaponizing humanitarian aid. They've started, they've been, they've continued to help each other on the ground using their own resource, little resources. And also we're seeing around the third anniversary of the attempted coup, uh, a a huge um, uh, upswelling of uh, civilian resistance, peaceful resistance in so many different ways, including the silent strike. So, Mm. um, you know, basically, basically uh, the the mood of the resistance uh, to the junta is very high because of the military victories by the resistance. But also, people are absolutely determined that they do not want to see another year of this illegal junta. And it's everyone's pulling out all stops to try and reverse this coup once and for all. 
Well, that sounds uh, positive, you know, under the circumstances. So I'm sure that this is quite a good thing that um, for for the um, uh, um, the resistance fighters. Now, the Assistance Association for Political Prisoners. They've reported alarming figures of civilian casualties since the coup, as you've mentioned. How is the humanitarian crisis unfolding? What and what role does the international community play in addressing this issue? Because we haven't been hearing much about what's happening in Myanmar right now. Well, um, basically, um, world public, the international uh, pub, uh, international attention is um, is very fleeting. That it was the focus was on Myanmar and then on Ukraine and now on Palestine and mm-hmm. and um, and all three conflicts are connected in some way. All three conflicts have to be addressed head on, but we're not seeing that. So yes. so it it seems like uh, the international community is only capable of fo- focusing on one thing at a time. Now, what's happening in Burma, Myanmar, is that since the coup started. The price of staple goods have risen by 250 to 270 percent, and people's livelihoods have been destroyed at the same time. When we look at the humanitarian aid situation, the junta has been weaponizing aid, and in many cases, Debbie, you still with us? Passing areas. We seem to be losing um, our our connectivity again with Debbie. Debbie, are you still there? Can you hear me? Can you hear? Yeah, me? we can hear. We can hear you again. Okay. I'll, I'll, can I can I say that again? Yeah. So go ahead. The junta has been the junta has been weaponizing humanitarian aid. They've been blocking aid in areas of high need. If if the local population has been resisting them, um, they've actually prevented international organizations from entering areas which have been stricken by disaster or conflict. And um, and uh, in many cases, um, they've actually willfully caused people harm. In, the, in Cyclone Mocha in May 2023, the Rohingya in Rakhine State who were Detained in in detention camps in yes. Rakhine State were not allowed to evacuate and they died because of the cyclone mm. because they were not allowed to flee, and and in the aftermath the military junta uh, blocked local people as well as international organizations from delivering aid into many areas of that state that was hit by Cyclone Mocha, so mm. I think um, the international community needs to wise up. And instead of trying to placate the junta, they actually have to start investing in cross-border community-based aid. There are so many community-based organizations that have been working quietly behind the scenes on the ground to deliver aid effectively, but they haven't been recognized by the international community and they haven't been resourced adequately by the international community. If we want, if we want, if we want to sustain communities on the ground and build resist, resilience, we need to invest in that instead of expensive um, aid, um, uh, expensive aid projects that do not actually get delivered. Mm-hmm. Now, international sanctions have been imposed that have targeted the military's revenue sources. How effective have these measures really been and what additional steps can the global community take to support the pro-democracy movement um, in Burma? We, we have seen, uh, very encouragingly, a range of sanctions 
especially on aviation fields, since the junta has been resorting to airstrikes on civilians as its main, uh, as one of its main um, uh, approach strategies of war. However, these sanctions haven't been comprehensive. What we we haven't seen a unified approach. Certain countries or certain blocs like the EU imposing sanctions in one way and then the US and Australia or Canada imposing sanctions in another way. What mm. we need is a more consistent regime so that all loopholes are sealed and the junta has nowhere to go. All right, so we we also see, um, you know, the forming of the People's Defence Forces and ethnic minority rebels joining the resistance. That's reshaping the conflict as well. How do these groups contribute to the dynamics of the struggle and what are some of the challenges that they face? Many of the ethnic resistance organisations have been operating for decades because uh, even before the coup started, there have been um, many long-drawn, low-intensity conflicts have, uh, targeting certain ethnic groups all around the country. Yeah. What is new is the fact that what, a new, what is new is the fact that um, a largely urban population has started for had started forming these People's Defense Forces, these PDS, and they teamed up with the ethnic armed forces and the resistance organizations. Actually, um, in October, uh, the Three Brotherhood Alliance launched Operation 1027. And that's the operation that eventually galvanized fighters from uh, armed resistance groups from all around the country to launch coordinated attacks. And that's why they were able to destroy 400 junta bases. Hmm. So, um, uh, uh, but on the, on the other side of this also is a politic, a growing political alliance, the National Unity Consultative Council, which has actually been talking about the political program of a future Burma-Myanmar. And so we need to make sure that the armed resistance and the political resistance is aligned and complementary. Well, thank you for your time, um, Debbie. Much appreciated. And uh, unfortunately, we lost a bit of time with regards to the line and the connectivity, but no fault of yours. I'm given sorry. Us, not your fault. You've given us quite a comprehensive <laughs> bit of information so we can use that um, for our I, listeners to... I think, mm-hmm. I think the biggest takeaway at this point is that this revolution is led by young people and women of all backgrounds. And it's been wow. so open that the LGBTQ plus community have also been visible in this struggle. So that I think when we talk about the revolution, many people think it's about the revolution of civilians against the military. I think it's a, it's a revolution of being more open minded and more inclusive. Mm. Well, thank you for your time. We do appreciate it. You're welcome. <laughs> you take care. Bye bye. 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 And that was Debbie Stoddard keeping us abreast of what's happening in Burma, Myanmar. As you've heard, um, the resistance fighters there have uh, made some strides, but um, still under the thumb of the military.